1: Hey guys, Glenn Blakeney here. Welcome to Kingdom Encounter, brought to you by Awake Nations Ministries and the Kingdom Community. For more information about Awake Nations, visit the website awakenations.org. And to learn more about the Kingdom Community and how you can connect, go to kingdomcommunity.global. I'm proud to say that Audible is now a sponsor of Kingdom Encounter, and we have a special offer for you. Head over to audibletrial.com forward slash kingdom community sign up for a free 30-day subscription with audible and download any audiobook you want and at the end of the 30 days if you don't continue with the subscription the audiobook is still yours to keep again that website address is audibletrial.com forward slash kingdom community thank you for supporting kingdom encounter Well, my interview today is with Jerry Hill. She is the co founder and president of Together in the Harvest. Jerry was married for many years to evangelist Steve Hill. Steve, of course, was most well known for his time in ministry in the Brownsville revival that literally impacted millions of people around the globe. Well, she's going to talk today about their early years in ministry, how they served on the mission field, really her salvation testimony. And also, she's going going to be sharing some things about her late husband, Steve Hill, that maybe you've never heard before. Guys, this is going to be a riveting interview. Jerry is dropping some incredible truth. She's going to challenge you to have a passion for the lost and to give your life completely to Jesus to fulfill that calling, that purpose that God has for your life. Guys, this is going to be an incredibly challenging interview. It's going to encourage you and inspire you to give all, to follow the call. God bless you. Thank you so much for being with us today, Jerry. Welcome to Kingdom Encounter.
0: Oh, I'm so happy to be here and thank you for the invite and i pray that what is spoken today will minister to many different lives
1: amen amen thank you well i know it will <laughs> i am certain because I, I know a bit about your story and this is going to be incredibly uh encouraging to people and you guys were on a journey obviously your story how you came to know the lord uh, let's talk about that way back in um the day what was it like you you guys uh you know let's talk about jerry what was it like and the, the background the story how did you come to know the lord
0: well um you know when i was born i never thought my life was planned by god at all i my mom was raped at 17 and i was born out of that rape so i never knew my biological father um, never met him in all my life and so i did not feel like i was planned but i found out years later that i was but to lead up to that just a little bit um It was um, my mom married to give me a dad, and it was a bad situation. They were not in love with each other. They had two other sons in that marriage, and then they divorced. And my mom in North Dakota was a single mom with three children on food stamps um she you know needed so, you know social services she needed help to be able to raise us and but she loved us she actually told me that i was the best thing that ever happened to her in a bad situation Beautiful. so that spoke to my heart um, but you just never know how our minds are going to receive everything. And for me, I had allowed a lot of hatred and bitterness to grow, the whole situation, everything about it. It was, um, you know, it really plagued my mind in every aspect. And and so... Um, All of that built up inside of me. And then my mom remarried when I was 10 years old and he was an alcoholic. He was verbally abusive. They had two more sons in that marriage. And um, I was so full of hate towards men in general and so at age 12 i started smoking and drinking i started doing a smoking pot when i was 15 started selling and doing drugs when i was 16 and we moved from north dakota to michigan and when we moved there a pastor came to our house and invited us to his church up to that point we went to the lutheran church periodically Easter and christmas generally but my mom had given her heart to Jesus, lean, uh, kneeling in front of a TV, and Billy Graham gave the altar call. And she knelt in front of the TV and gave her heart to Jesus. And she started praying for her kids and praying for me. And here I was, 16, doing drugs and Um, she was praying for a miracle. And I think in answer to her prayer is that Assembly of God pastor that came and knocked on our door. And he invited us to church. And, okay, thank you. Goodbye. You know, I wasn't interested. I didn't think that God was powerful enough um, that you could even know him, that you could have a relationship with him. I didn't know the Bible at all. All I knew maybe was, Uh, Christmas story, you know, where he was born and the Easter story, the death, burial and resurrection. That was probably it, but I had never read the Bible, had never studied the Bible, um, never thought you could even understand it. I opened it up one time and I thought, I don't even understand this. Well, this pastor came to our house every Saturday for two years knocking on the door. And every single time he came, I shut the door. Thank you for coming. You know what? I'm not interested. And then his tone changed from invite to his church to Jerry, Jesus loves you and has a plan for your life. Yeah, right. Like I believe that. And it took two years of him continually coming back, but continually praying for me My mom started fasting for me when I was sitting in jail at age 18, and I had an encounter with God in the jail cell, and I heard my mother's voice, actually what she said, crying out to God. I heard it in the jail cell, and I remember when I got out of jail, I asked my mom if she had ever said this phrase before, and it was, Jairus, don't you understand? Don't you really understand that I love you? And I heard that in the jail cell during this time when my mom was fasting for me. And from that point on, I had all these, a few other encounters where God started speaking to me in an audible voice. It was like he came down and made himself real to me and began speaking to me in an audible voice through billboards. One specific billboard that had John three sixteen on it, okay. and what I heard you know as i 'm reading it going by, you can't that's there's so many words on that billboard um you know you couldn't even read them all, and so I only really only got to the first line, and I heard God say, "For I so loved you, hmm. for I so loved you every time I passed the billboard, I would hear that. And then, um, I had a dream, Jesus standing at the foot of the bed in a white gown and his hands outstretched toward me and blood dripping from his hands. And he said, for you, I died. And I sat up expecting to see Jesus at the foot of the bed and he wasn't there. And I grabbed my knees and I cried onto my, you know, on my knees, just holding my knees and, saying, you might as well give up on me because I'm not worth it. I have nothing to offer offer you, so you might as well give up on me. And a few weeks later, this is in a span of like six weeks after I get out of jail, and I ended up going home with some people that I met and was staying in a mobile home out in the country of Clare, Michigan, and... I'm there for 10 days. I'm not sensing the presence of God. I'm not feeling God at all. But I thought I was having experiences like this because of drugs. And after being there for a little while, a few days, a knock comes at the door. And it was that pastor. And nobody knew where I was. And that pastor that morning, he said, he said this to me when he, after he knocked on the door and I answered it, he said, I was on my knees today saying, I'm not giving up on this girl. Where is she? And he goes out, drives out into the country and he's knocking on a door out in the country. But come to find out, he knocked on every door in every city that he had ever pastored. It wasn't just my house. Right. He had a burden for me, and he appeared there. And I think he about fainted when he saw me. And I think I about fainted. I was in shock to see him. And when he left that day, I told him, I'm wringing my hands, and I'm saying, I'm doing okay. Everything's just fine. And he said, it doesn't matter how you're doing or anything. All I know is Jesus loves you and has a plan for your life. And when he left that day, I went... I was standing in the kitchen, and I thought, that is so weird. And right then, God speaks to me again, and he says, if you don't give in to me, I'm going to give up on you. And he knew what button to push. Mm. He's not going to say that to everybody. Sure. But he knew what button to push on me. And I didn't want God to give up on me. Right. And so when the pastor left, I pulled out a phone book, looked for his number, called his house. He wasn't even home yet. Talked to his wife, and I said, if he could work it out. And he had told me about Teen Challenge. He had left tracks for me and everything. And he, um, I said, if he could work it out for me to go into Teen Challenge, I was ready to go. Wow. And that was on a Thursday. The next day, Friday, he called and he said that they had a bed for me on Monday and that he made arrangements to for my mom to pick me up on Monday and drive me there. I didn't know what that was going to look like. I partied down that last weekend and you know, knew that I was going to get saved Wrong. on Monday. Didn't know right. what any of that was going to look like, but I knew I had to do it. And when I went into the program, I knew that I had to give up smoking, drinking, drugs, partying, and old friends. And they even tried to talk me out of it that weekend. And I went into the program and gave my heart to Jesus at a Monday night meeting in Teen Challenge, Muskegon, Michigan. And... That first year, they taught me the word of God, explained the word of God. It came alive to me. And we started memorizing a scripture every single day. Hmm. And somebody told me, Well, you've been brainwashed. And I said, I needed my brainwashed. <laughs> but then you think about, how steve's life everybody would hear his testimony and he was raised lutheran as well he started into drugs and dr- drinking smoking and drugs at age 12 looked just like me
1: hmm.
0: and i got saved at 18 he got saved at 21 the same month october of 1975 he had been arrested 13 times was facing 25 years in a penitentiary for sales of narcotics he had been shooting up heroin for three years which that was one thing i had never done was shoot up drugs had done everything else and you know not proud of uh, all of that but it helps me relate with people what they're going through and why they get into drugs and why they do the things they do and it gave me a passion for people and so God took two messed up lives and put them together. Wow! And we didn't meet until Bible school.
1: Okay. Yeah. And That's what I was, I was going to ask you is how did you guys meet and, and when did that happen? So you were in Teen Challenge for how long?
0: I went through it for a year, went in in October of 1975. Steve was sitting in jail. And so he didn't go into the program until February of 76. Okay. And then um, I, on a Sunday morning, I didn't want to get married ever because I thought, you know, I don't want to go through that. I just want to live for God. I don't want anything to distract me. I don't want anything to get in the way. So I wasn't interested in anybody. So when I went to brother Dave's Bible school, in 1976, um, that's when I met Steve. But in February of, or I think I went in in 1977, but in February, I started praying for, for Steve. Not, I didn't know who he was. I went forward at a church service, and God put in my heart a burden for my future husband, Okay, And so I'm on my knees at the altar praying and weeping for my future husband for 45 minutes. And God had brought me down. I had already gone down and prayed for something else. And then God was telling me to go back down and pray. And it come to find out after I met Steve that I found out it was in February, the first Sunday or second Sunday in February, that his lawyer and judge were out playing golf and the lawyer was talking to the judge about probating Steve into Teen Challenge. And Jim Summers had talked to the lawyer and asked for Steve to be probated into Teen Challenge. And what God had laid on my heart for my future husband was that something significant that day was going to happen that was going to alter his life.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And he had already given his heart to the Lord in October, but some old warrants came up for his arrest. Wow. And that's why he was sitting in jail. And, um, but an amazing thing for him to put us together. And when I was in Bible school and my heart started to beat out of my chest for Steve, I would get up at three o'clock in the morning and bind the enemy. Because I didn't want anything to distract me from God. So I'd get up and pray from three to five and come out of there in victory. And as soon as I saw Steve, my heart would start doing this again. And months later, after I go and talk to my advisor, telling him I needed prayer because I was distracted by one of the students, And I needed deliverance. I needed extra prayer because my prayers were not getting through. (laughs) And Steve, um, well, trying to make a long story short, he um, came up to me and asked me what was wrong. And I said, nothing God can't handle. And he said, well, tell me what it is so I can pray for you. And I said, you don't need to know what it is to pray. I didn't tell him that my heart was doing this when I saw him. And he goes, You're right. And he ran down to the prayer closet in the men's dorm and he's in there praying. And he said later on the next day, he told me that God had spoken to him, that I was fighting love for him. Wow. And so he went and talked to his advisor, telling his advisor that he had been getting up every morning for the past two months at three o'clock in the morning and praying till five, saying, thank you, Jesus, for Jerry Larson, that you're going to give me her as my wife. Oh, wow. So he was praying one way and I was praying another. (laughs) And when it all came out, I said, God, do I have any say in my life at all?
1: Right. (laughs) And he said, no. He said,
0: your job is to say yes to me. That's it. Okay. And so did not know what all that was going to entail. Didn't know what that was going to look like but um we um just little by little one step at a time my heart was burdened for um, evangelism when i went to bible school i signed up for the evangelism course Mm -hmm. and at teen challenge they took us out on the streets every friday and saturday to go witnessing out on the streets and um, I had my first encounter with a dentist and shared he wanted he didn't want just the track. He wanted me to tell him why I believed in what I was doing. So I shared for 45 minutes what God had done in my life and how he transformed me and changed me. And he goes, Okay, thank you. And he walks off. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, do you want me to pray with you? To anything? And a couple of days later, he shows up at the Monday night meeting and stands up and testifies. And come to find out, after I gave him that track and shared my testimony with him, he walked off thinking, I want what she has. Hmm. And see, it took me two years to give into it. It took this dentist only... 45 minutes right now went oh my goodness this really works yeah. when you tell people about jesus it really works and so it, when he came and he said that it, he had been transformed and gave his heart to jesus walking away gave his heart to jesus and he had to come to the monday night meeting and testify that he had given his heart to jesus and he had me stand up And that girl right over there, she's the one that shared her testimony with me, and I wanted what she had.
1: Hmm, And
0: from that moment on, going out on the streets, it's scary. Going out on the streets, it's scary talking about Jesus. It's, you know, rejection, all this kind of stuff. But I felt like I wasn't representing myself. I was representing a God that we could know. Somebody that we could have a relationship with and that he was so incredibly powerful that he could change our lives. And so I loved witnessing out on the streets and they would take us to churches to share our testimonies and everything, too. And so when I went to Bible school, I wanted to sign up sign up for the evangelism team, go into the prisons, go into um, detention homes, go out on the streets. And Steve, when he went through Teen Challenge, what they did was they traveled to different churches, but they were in the choir. Uh-huh. And so his, um, you know, his whole life was centered around going into churches and singing. So he signed up for the choir, and I'm thinking that he's a choir boy. (laughs) I'm on the evangelism on the streets. I I, I could sing, but I couldn't harmonize, and he wanted me to harmonize with him. And I said, listen, when we got married, three weeks before we got married, I said, if you think that you're going to fall back into drugs, tell me now, because I don't want to mess up my relationship with God. And he said... I'm going to live for God all the days of my life. And I just hit my hand like that. And I said, oh, okay, let's do this. Awesome, Let's yeah. live for God all the days of our life. And awesome. so we, you know, kept going after God and we started evangelizing our neighborhood. In the very beginning, we'd invite kids to come to our Um, backyard. We'd load them up in our Dodson pickup truck and ask the parents if that was okay to bring the kids over there to hear about Jesus on a Saturday afternoon. And um, one man, he came to our house, knocked on the door, a big, tall, burly guy with a beard and everything. And he he says, you the one telling my kid about Jesus? And Steve (laughs) looks up at him and he goes, yep. And he goes, well, it's working. <laughs> so when we touch a child's life, you touch an adult's okay. life. Yeah. And so we true. became fifth and sixth grade Sunday school teachers. We had a few kids around a table, and eventually, just by evangelizing and getting the um, the bus system going by their houses and everything, our Sunday school class grew to about sixty kids.
1: Wow. So how old were you guys then?
0: When we got married, um, I was 22, and Steve was 25. Okay. And everything we did was evolving around evangelism. We became youth pastors in Panama City and evangelized, started out with six young people, and it grew to over 100. We went to Tallahassee, became youth pastors there, and we started out with about 30 kids. And within three and a half years, um, it was over 300. Hmm. But all of it had to do with evangelism. Everything was out on the streets, not just ministering to those that were there. We went out on the streets. We even had um, a young couple come to our house about midnight one night that we had been witnessing to. And they came in. Well, we opened the door and they're standing there crying. Hmm. And they came in and stumbled to their knees And they said, we're ready to get saved. Uh And they were weeping on our carpet. And we put our arms around them and led them to Jesus. But it all stemmed from going out and witnessing to people. And it was the same. Steve was witnessed to by people. I was witnessed to by people. And it eventually worked. And it doesn't always work immediately, but you plant seeds and it happens. It comes to pass. Amen. Um, he would travel to churches, and he if he got there early enough on a Saturday, he would ask the pastor if it was okay to go and visit somebody, the hardest person that they've been praying for. Let's go witness to them. Let's go talk to them. And one Sunday, he, he was in Michigan, actually, up in Charlotte. And this pastor and Steve went to this guy's house, and he had called the wife first to see if it was okay. Steve and Mark went over there and talked to him for about an hour, and he was cordial to the to them. And then when they um, left, he tore into his wife, yelling and screaming, how dare you tell the pastor he can come by here? How dare you tell him he can bring the evangelist by? And... You know, he was just so mad. And after Steve passed away, I get a message on Facebook. And the message was from this man. And he said that after Mark and Steve had both gone home to be with the Lord, the seed that they planted in my life started to grow. And I gave my heart to Jesus. And now I go and visit the hardest of the hard. Wow. In the church. I am on the, evan- the evangelistic visitation committee okay. to go and talk to people. And so we don't ever know when the seed is going to come, you know, it's going to grow, when it's going to take root, when something's going to happen. But it, that was the most amazing,
1: hmm.
0: you know, testimonies when you get those later on. And so I get to, I got to hear it. Steve didn't get to hear it here on earth, but I got to hear it. (laughs) And he knows it now.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, amen. Absolutely. And so from the very beginning, I mean, obviously both of you guys, Steve and yourself, people witnessing to you have that impact. And then your heart, your focus is on evangelism. Now, you ended up you guys actually moved out of the united states and in ministry or missions yes um, how did that happen it
0: well it was really interesting And we were youth pastors in tallahassee and we took 10 young people to mexico and when people were lining up and standing in line to get a track Steve leans over to me, and by this time, he had been studying his credentials. He would gotten Christian worker papers at the time, licensed, and now, now he was ordained. And with we were with the Assemblies of God, their missions department. And to go to missions, you know, to be a full-fledged missionary, you had to be ordained. And so here we were in Mexico, and... There was a couple there visiting from Argentina that were missionaries in Argentina, and they heard us talking about maybe going into missions work. We had never thought about it before. It had never crossed our minds. And he said, well, if you're thinking about missions, consider Argentina. We need missionaries in Argentina. Okay. And that something resonated in both of our hearts. And we started seeing, you know, little signs here and there. We came back from Mexico. We sold everything, applied for missions. And then our paper comes back from them. Whatever you do, don't sell anything. Don't change your life or anything too late. We had already sold everything. <laughs> we were ready to go right. because they said that it could take up to two years to get approved, another two years to raise your support. Wow. And Steve, he told me, he says, honey, I want you to stay here. We didn't have enough money to for both of us to fly up there. So Steve flew to Springfield, sat down with the missions committee, shared his heart. And he said, I want you to fast the whole time I'm gone. So I'm back in Florida fasting while he's up in uh, Missouri. And they heard his heart and They, um, within two months, we were approved. We got it in two months, and then we had to do their orientation and everything. And then we, it took six months to raise all of our money to go to the mission field. And then we went to Costa Rica to learn Spanish, hablo espanol, and went to language school, moved in. We had our own place for a little while, and then we moved in with a Costa Rican family a mother with four teenagers (laughs) and we went to the language school in the morning. We had homework we had to do. We went out evangelizing. We picked a neighborhood that we went into every single day and shared with them. And we would learn certain lines and we'd share with them all, you know, every single day. And then by the end of the year, we had shared our testimony with them. We had talked to them about Jesus and it was it was great. And then after that, we went to Argentina. Okay. And we were there for seven years, and planted and built eight churches. Wow. And helped finish a an orphanage. Um, it wasn't our orphanage. It was somebody else was over it, but they needed help finishing their building so that the kids would have a, a good place to stay, and. But we did every single church by evangelizing on the streets. We'd start with um, a national pastor. We knew we weren't going to pastor. And so we started with a national pastor and some people that you know would rise up and they'd play the instruments, they'd lead the worship. And with every six months thereabouts, we started, and got another church done, and then moved on. Of course, they weren't beautified like they are here in the states. You've got to pass all the inspections and everything. But they, we left it in their hands for them to make the perfections that they wanted to do, like the tiling and things like that. But we put in the plumbing. We did. I learned. Um, how to talk about electricity, about plumbing, and right. cemento, and
1: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
0: and uh, because I had to translate these things too. But we were even with the teams; we were out evangelizing, passing out tracts, and we were also building and learning all this. The different aspects. Two of our oldest children were born in Argentina. Okay. Um, Ryan was a a newborn. We adopted two kids in Argentina and uh, lost twins when we were in Argentina as well. And then um, went to Spain, planted a church in Spain and went to Russia, planted a church in Russia and um, opened up a teen challenge center there. Wow and didn't know any Russian. My Spanish and English didn't work very well in in Russia.
1: I guess not. Wow, that's amazing, so powerful. So how long was that Where you guys were doing missions?
0: We were approved in 84, Mm -hmm. and we resigned from the missions department in 96, one year after the revival broke out. We didn't know how long we were gonna be there. Um, I had been... I had lost another baby when I came back from Spain oh. and then came back from Russia pregnant with my youngest. And we didn't know if I'd carry her full term. Right. And so Kelsey was three weeks old when the revival broke out. Wow. Um, Ryan was seven, and Shelby was four, and Kelsey was three weeks. And I wasn't allowed to travel during that whole pregnancy. And God was moving, so Steve was in and out of Russia at different times, and he would he had heard there was a move of God in Toronto. He had to go there. I couldn't go, so he'd come back and pray over me. And he went to London, Holy Trinity, Brompton. Holy Spirit was moving there. Right, right. He went there and got touched by God and yeah. um, came back, and he was shaking. But in Argentina, he'd been prayed for and fell out in the mud. That was probably the first time he'd ever been slain in the spirit was in the mud at a Carlos Anacondia crusade Um, there. (laughs) So I knew it was God when he, you know, fell out in the mud. (laughs) And they asked me one time in Argentina, they go, do you want to know the secret to what God is doing here? I go, yeah, what's the secret? And they took me over to the platform and pulled back the skirt that was around the platform yeah, and they said the the women interceding under here. Right. Carlos's wife Maria is under here leading an intercession.
1: Yeah! Wow! And powerful.
0: You know when you're like this. Yeah. With um, seeing the plan and purpose of God being done, mm-hmm. there's nothing God can't do. Does that mean everything's going to go smoothly? No.
1: Right, right.
0: Does it mean that you're going to go through everything and not have any conflict what, whatsoever? Absolutely not. Right. But He will carry you through whatever it is that you have to face when you're doing it. Yeah. We were missionaries a total of 12 years. Okay. And then that Friday before the Brownsville revival, mm-hmm. I told Steve. He said, "Monday, we're, I'm coming back. We're going to go on a vacation as a family." Okay. And that Friday, I said, "Well, I have a feeling because every single service he was in, God was moving." And I said, "I have a feeling the pastor's going to ask you to stay." He goes, "No, I'm coming back, and <laughs> we are going on vacation." I said, "Well, I just want you to know that I feel like he's going to ask you to stay." So on Sunday, he calls me about 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and he said, Honey, all heaven came down, and pastor is asking you to come in, fly in, and we'll have our vacation here in Pensacola, and I'll preach at night. I'm thinking to myself, Well, that's a vacation, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I did. I flew in with um, Ryan 7, Shelby 4, and Mm. a newborn. The next day I flew in, we moved nine times the first year. Really? Because we had no idea how long we'd be staying there. So we'd stay a week in a hotel, residence in for two months, somebody else's house for a couple months, um, a vacation home of somebody's for a couple months, and then somebody else's vacation home. We just kept shifting and moving and because we just didn't know how long it was going to go on. And then when we he felt like it was going to keep going because it just continued to grow. Yeah, But it was not planned. It was not on the schedule. Yeah. It was planned by God, um, but not man. Right. And it was on God's schedule, his plan, his purpose. And it amazed me how he could prepare a message every single day and preach it that night. Yeah. You know, I don't think I know of anybody who has prepared a message every single day and yeah. preached it that night.
1: That's amazing. Yeah.
0: And it just really, it really blew my mind. So I don't know how I got such an awesome husband.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you prayed, right? <laughs> you did. did. <laughs> Hey, Kingdom Community family, I want to invite you to join me on an amazing life-changing trip this November 28th to December 7th. We're headed to South Brazil for a time of ministry and outreach and a conference in the mountains. We're going to get shut in with God. We're going to seek the Lord. We're going to worship. We're going to pray until the heavens come down. This is part of our Kingdom Community outreach and what we're doing around the world. We'll also be ministering in the communities, preaching in churches. It's going to be absolutely powerful. Love for you guys to be with us if you're interested in knowing more send an email to admin at awakenations.org admin at awakenations.org or also visit our website kingdomcommunity.global blessings
0: thanks for joining us today at the kingdom community we trust that you are encouraged as a result of spending time with us we exist to connect equip and send you out into the world to fulfill your destiny and advance the kingdom of god To learn more about the Kingdom Community, please visit our website, kingdomcommunity.global. Again, our website is kingdomcommunity.global. Together, we are better.